0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us once more on the Vigilance Press podcast. Happy Chinese New Year to everyone. Uh, this is the Year of the Snake. We have uh, tonight's guests actually are um, uh, Rick Jones and Yad uh, Ming Moy. Did I say that right? You did. Awesome. So, my, uh, Yad is actually the artist on uh, Rick Jones's uh, six gun, which is in final layout. We're doing some. Last-minute tweaks, but some people at uh, Alcon this past weekend got a chance to see the uh, the printouts uh, some of the of the early layout. So, um, Rick, how'd that go over?
1: Uh, they they liked it. Um, I, I mostly just used it to hold up when I was when they met the various characters. I said, "Well, this is what this guy looks like. This is what camo looks like, and so on." Okay. And they they loved the art. Cool, cool, excellent. Excellent, indeed. So
0: Yad and I actually um, collaborated on my favorite character in the book. That that was my favorite character because Yad and I collaborated on the artwork. But but I like all the characters. But um, we we worked on Headcase together. But uh, Yad did a great job of making sure that um, just because Alex Williamson did all the rest of the artwork, it didn't – the continuity – of the line quality was the same from for all the major characters, so that was really cool. It um, was a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, um, let me let me talk to you a little bit first, and then I'm going to jump back over to Rick and talk about Alcon and uh, in specific, and also talk about uh, convention gaming. But let's just give people a little uh, background on you and your history with role playing games and artwork. So, how long sure, have you been? Yeah. yeah. How long have you been a professional artist? Uh
2: professional as in I start getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> or professional as in I graduated from college. Well,
0: let's start we'll start with your training. What what was your art background?
2: I, I do have a bachelor's in illustration from uh Kendall College of Art and Design that's mm-hmm. in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. Uh I think it's been bought by some state college now, but back then it was an actual art college. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. Yeah, um, and we actually met, I'm trying to remember if we met on one of the East Coast cons, or if, no, we actually met on one of the East Coast cons, and then you kind of yep. asked me to come up to JFax, uh, that was up yes. in Michigan, which is, uh, I've, been a, I've been a guest every year since then, that was pretty awesome, but um, you've actually uh, um, done a ton of artwork, I mean, I've known you for what, 12, 15 years?
2: Going on seventeen now, dude. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow.
0: <laughs> so, um, but uh, fortunately, you live in my neck of the woods now, which makes collaboration really easy. So that was that was really. We actually were able to literally sit down when we, when I was sketching up the ideas I wanted for Headcase. Um, we actually sat down at the same computer and took turns in the uh, in the chair sketching and then passing the ideas back and forth until we came up with a solid piece of artwork that. Uh, I was really excited about. It. I thought it was really. Yeah, cool.
2: that was that was definitely a lot of fun to be able to do that with someone. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, we can't drag that beast of a machine
0: over to Con. <laughs> 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 <That kinda works. laughs> no, no, it's it's a pretty big tower. That's <laughs> <laughs> the to uh, monitor. <laughs> yeah, and this yeah the Cintiq is a little cumbersome here. It's it's uh it's, it's it's got a forty um sorry a twenty four inch diagonal screen, or viewable area, but the actual monitor itself is bigger than that. But, um, yeah,
2: that... Yeah, le- <laughs> size 27 inch.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, but, uh, that was a lot of fun, and, um, you were basically working on, um, those pieces of art, uh, last summer, I think, so it's been kind of in the works for a while, but, um, it we has, had the, yeah. um... Uh, Alex Williamson stepped in um, with a very strong military sense behind his stuff. Um, we had originally started on our own kind of style of artwork. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And
2: uh, Yeah, we had something going there for a little bit. I mean, it was definitely not quite the same, but sort of sort of military-esque.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we wanted something that, uh, I think, what was it? Yeah, I I basically, when I asked Rick to first start writing the book, I asked him uh, to kind of think in terms of a realistic military uh, outfit, um, but uh, done as if they were in a superhero setting. So he went with a very modern set of cyborg ideas, and... uh, Rick, let's go ahead and segue. Tell us a little bit about the six-gun team and uh, and uh, how they operate together.
1: Well, sure. Um, the, the group of them started out as mercenaries working for a big, shadowy um, uh, private military contractor that um, when uh, they individually got hurt uh, in the line of, Duty. Uh, they were like waste not, want not, and scooped up the bits and uh, you know put them in their evil black ops uh, cyber technology department. And uh, then they escaped because they didn't like what the company was all about, uh, like you know making them into cyborgs without asking first. And uh, they escaped, and now, like the A Team, they make their way as soldiers of fortune. But unlike the A Team, they're kind of bad people.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I, what I really liked about the approach to the characters was that um, each of them—they're—they're they're, they're designed to work together as a team very well. But each of them do have uh, very specific strengths and weaknesses. So, um, give us a little overview about the different characters and what their what their specialties are.
1: Sure. Um well the team leader is named Marauder and uh he was a Navy SEAL and um he he is kind of just uh an overall cyborg powerhouse type. Um he's, you know, strong and fast and uh, has various cybernetic senses and such and carries machine guns. Uh and he's kind of the, the one with the, with the strength of will and the uh, leadership abilities uh, to keep these somewhat crazy people together and in line and not, uh, not get killed. Because they have lots of... they have enemies that are... Uh, would love to kill them. Like the, uh, the evil corporation, for instance. Um, there is a sniper named uh, Deadeye who carries a railgun and so his job is to sit in a sniper's nest half a mile away and shoot at the player characters and make them really cranky until they find him and then they beat him up uh, because he's something of a glass cannon Uh, there's Camo who is uh, infiltrator type she can shapeshift kind of like Mystique uh, but she also has some nasty pheromone powers uh, as the folks at Alcon discovered (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, There's uh, Echelon, who's the group's hacker, and he is like a Shadowrun rigger. He has a bunch of little remote control drones that uh, fly around and shoot things. And there's Headcase that y'all mentioned earlier. He uh, is a brain in a tank, basically. He's a giant evil-looking robot with a Uh, human evil brain inside Um, and the last member is Spot, which was a prototype for the next generation of technology that the corporation was working on and Spot's a chimera uh, made out of DNA from a bunch of different uh, large predators, lots of big cats and wolves and bears and such. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're all linked in this um, uh, cybernetic um, ultra Wi-Fi thing, so they're all in each other's heads all the time. So uh, they have their their ability to communicate um, gives them a lot of advantages. So if you know when one guy sees someone sneaking up on another teammate, they don't have to shout out; they just think it, and the other person can just point their gun behind them and shoot the other person in the head while not <laughs> looking at them through their own eyes.
0: The, um, interesting thing about the way that, uh, you approached them, I thought was that you had this very kind of tech savvy idea of how they would, you know, cooperate. And I, I, really liked that. Um, but it also affected their, uh, and I don't want to give too much away. It also affected their, um, individual personalities and the idea that, uh, how how this networking kind of affected them on a personal level, especially with Headcase, kind of really
1: yeah. Headcase is great.
0: Yeah, I mean that was some some cool storytelling there. Um, so I'm really looking forward to people getting their hands on it. Um, but we have a couple of uh, support characters. When we decided to expand the product, we actually had, uh, um, I'd say about. six 70% of what we had now, and then I asked you to, to expand it because we decided we wanted to go larger with the due vigilance line and make them available as print-on-demand projects. So um, you you basically gave them a whole support team of characters and uh, introduced us to some of the support team members, if you would.
1: Yeah, uh, well, they have a pilot uh, uh, called Night Witch, uh, named after a Russian World War II female uh, fighter squadron, uh, and she's this kind of uh, crusty old um, Russian fighter pilot in a uh, in a high tech uh, jet that carries them around to their various things. And uh, you know she'll uh, fly in, scoop them, and get them out before uh, before the cops or the superheroes who can't fly fast can can get them. Uh, they've got. A pretty nutty um cyber doctor that they go to when they need to get fixed uh and she's a something of a mad scientist and uh is is always wanting to tinker with them and make improvements and uh she scares them even though she's a a tiny little a tiny little woman that any of them could you know snap like a twig but she's very scary. And she has a a, uh, a robot um, assistant that is uh, slash bodyguard, and they've got a fixer slash money man who uh, they who kind of brokers jobs for them. Yep. And there's different plot hooks on each of them so that uh, the character, you know, your your player heroes might encounter these the three support folks and that how that might bring six gun in cool
0: so what i had a lot of fun with was was just the character designs that alex came up with and the artwork and and the 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 way the characters really kind of jump off the page at me it felt a lot like a um uh greg ruka type team which is kind of what i was asking for when we originally sat down to talk about it um, which which was great, but um, what I think, you know, what 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 do you think um, you had the most fun writing into it? I mean, what was what was the most fun for you as far as the creative process goes?
1: Sure. Well, um, uh, I've read a lot of Rucka's comics and his uh, his Atticus Kodiak novels too, but I was uh, kind of more in the mode of the John Ostrander Suicide Squad comic from the the late 80s or the secret six from uh a few years ago where it's kind of this dysfunctional group of bad people um who have to rely on each other because they don't really have any other choice in the matter and that you know they're not uh when it comes down to it they're not you know, oh, I want to take over the world and put Lemurs in charge, or you know, I want to <laughs> turn everyone into my cyborg slaves. They they in the end they're they're just kind of simple mercenary villains who want to get paid. And uh they each have kind of different things that they're doing with the money that they get. Uh some of them care more about the money than others. And uh um, you know, I could easily see Gail Simone uh gra- you know, using them in uh, you know uh, in some comic book where they're a, a twisted group of villains that go up against uh, you know some a group of heroes and the heroes are like these guys are bad guys but they're not bad bad guys except some of them are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like these guys are bad guys, but if we got in you know if we get too entangled, they might become worse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, uh, that's I mean. One of the things that uh, I, th- I think um, Yad was, was mentioning earlier was that uh, we, we brought back an idea that uh, Jack had first come up with for our um, initial Octoberman, uh, the first due vigilance, which was the uh, relationship chart. And um, I thought that worked really well. We did not do that with the Black Chapter book simply because the number of characters involved made it you know, a visual mess. It was just too too complex, but I think bringing it back for uh, six gun was was great because you know it's one of these things where the GM can very quickly glance at the chart and get a and get a get a feel for how the characters relate to each other. Uh, yeah,
2: I, I think I think it, it gives a good idea of how they relate and how they would play in a scenario, mm-hmm. which is which is really nice and really good to have in a teams. Team type setup. You know, if you can just take a glance yes. and say, "Well, this character is going to jump in here because they have feelings for this character over here."
0: Right. Exactly. And uh, I think I think especially when you have a team that's so got so much personality and are so personality driven, I think it's really useful to have that there. And when when we can do it, I I, I really enjoy having those kind of extra bits in there. Um, I think people will will find it useful. Um, So who was your favorite character to to do the artwork for, Yad? Which was your favorite?
2: I actually, because, you know, I'm a male chauvinist pig, I like camo. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. cool. I, I like drawing the curves and, you know, the female form and all that stuff.
0: Cool, cool. Um yeah, I um I, I hadn't noticed that with your art at all. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> uh for those who don't know Yad's artwork outside of what he's worked for us, um he's done some stuff for uh a couple of other role playing games, including um, Village of Vigilantes, but their website is currently down, you said, right? Well
2: they're um, they're it's up and functioning with it just we can't get an update going for the newest, newest project yet.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so, I, I, re- I remember you did one recently that was uh, pretty neat. It was a, a group of um, female pirate supervillains. Um,
2: yeah, that's actually a free download on their site.
0: Uh huh. What's it called?
2: Which is, uh, uh, well, it's for the, the website is fan- fantasygamesunlimited.net. Uh-huh. And the character is Marie LaRouge. Mm hmm. And she's a she's a pirate chick. She's got a high tech pirate ship, basically. She's she's what what would normally be like a kind of uh, costuming gone awry, almost, because <laughs> it, it she takes place in normal everyday society, but she's got this flying ship that she turned into a pirate ship, and they all dress in pirate motifs, and it's an all female crew.
0: <laughs> Uh, sort of like a cosplaying group gone bad.
2: Pretty much, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool, cool. Alright, so um, one of the things I wanted to talk to Rick about um, and uh, uh, I might see if I can't get Theron on uh, either later this week or next week was uh, OwlCon this past weekend where you not only got to show off um, some, uh, the, the um the six gun characters themselves, but I think you also ran uh, some other games. How many games did you run during the weekend?
1: Uh, I just ran two. Mm-hmm. I ran one uh, one round with uh, six gun and a a villain from the upcoming Rogues, Rivals, and Renegades, and I ran a demo of um, Marvel Heroic Adventures using a uh, a demo that they sent me. Uh, and where uh, it's Nova and the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, basically trying to slow Galactus down long enough so that they can evacuate the people off this planet. Cool.
0: So um, you wrote the one, and then you were using another uh, pre-generated uh, scenario. Yes. Okay. So um, one of our one of our uh, listeners, um, Eric Daniels, was asking me. Um, he, he he wanted to ask what what a good framework for a four hour convention game was. You know, from hook to wrap up. Um, what you know? Can you can you talk a little bit about? I mean, um, did your did your players get to the end of both scenarios, or did you have to like, you know, end it sooner on one? Or how that how that all kind of work out, and sure. which one was successful, and for what reasons?
1: Well, they uh, in both cases they got to the end.
0: Mhm.
1: Um I have been running stuff for Alcon and for uh, another local convention that's uh, no longer around called Nancon. Uh I've been running con rounds for ugh, um over 15 years. So I've I've got a kind of a good handle on on how much adventure to to pack in. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um it, it, it kind of depends Did you, do you on the system. I mean were you
0: dealing with like four hour time blocks is that the standard yeah. okay
1: yeah it was it was four hours um, they usually uh, you know the first half hour is usually everybody looking at their characters and figuring stuff out and getting kind of settled in the system and uh, then it's usually three hours uh, three and a half of adventure. Uh, sometimes they run short, uh, sometime, you yeah, I haven't had them, uh, I haven't had folks not finish just cause I've gotten good at seeing, okay, these, they're, they're kind of stuck in one spot. So I'm going to skip something in the middle mm-hmm. and, and get them straight to the end. A little editing on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: um, what's, what's a good, like approach to writing something for, for a con session? I mean, when when you're setting up, I mean, how many variables do you usually try to bring in?
1: Well, um, usually I... Uh, about the day after the previous Alcon ends, I, I start just brainstorming uh, about what, what I'd like to run the next year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this year was a little different in that I ran... Uh, the, the, uh, the demo adventure, which was something I hadn't wrote. Um, and it was a, a little different in coming up with the six gun adventure because usually I come up with the with the cool idea and then bring the characters in around it. So in this case, I knew I knew I wanted to do something cool with six gun. And you know, certainly there's lots of good adventure hook suggestions in the in the book itself. But I wanted something that would be kind of uh, big and and flashy. And these guys for a con round because um, you know you want big, exciting stuff because this is like the only time you know. One uh, some of the folks who have played in my game con games over the years have said the only time they get to play M M&M and M is is once a year at Alcon. <laughs> so, so, I try to do something big and splashy, and a lot of times you know six gun is kind of you know covert and sneaky but um i'm i I got around that by uh saying well they're they're mercenaries the person they're working for is big and flashy, so then i I kind of um went from there
0: okay can you tell us a little bit about uh the the scenario you you wrote and um sure you know how many i mean how how many uh you know what, what how did how did you bring the characters into the story Were the players first off Were the players playing pre generated characters?
1: Yeah, um, I used the Beacon City Challengers. Um, okay, who, was, who the, was
0: the most popular one? Out of curiosity,
1: um, I'm trying to think because I ran I play tested it once with my regular group, mm-hmm. uh, and then, um, then we uh you know a different. Because there's eight challengers and six people uh we had a different a different mix both times um, I think masquerade uh folks were very entertained by cool um, I know in the first round uh rockhound and sandy the the rock dog were were just everybody thought they were a hoot. <laughs>
0: You know, um, I, I, I found that the same when I was running at um, EtherCon, um, both sessions, uh, one player grabbed onto wanting to play Rockhound and, and really, really liked the fact that he was controlling two characters for one thing, but... Uh, just the, the motif. They really liked the, the big rock dog. I mean who wouldn't want a big
1: rock dog as a pet? Yeah. and 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 rock hounds, you know, earth bending, for lack of a better term, powers are are really fun and visual and you can have a uh, like in in when I when I ran it for the first group and one of them picked Rock Hound, they didn't no they didn't pick Rock Hound on the second time. Um to to get from point A to point B. Rock Hound just shaped this giant stone head, and everybody climbed inside, and she flew it to the next spot.
0: <laughs> cool. So we were using the Beacon City Challengers, and um, how did you? How did you? Uh, what? Well, basically, give us give us the rundown on the scenario, and uh, you know the, the the quick elevator version.
1: Well, sure. Um, the it, it starts off that the group is. Uh, uh, has been asked by the police to investigate a rash of high-tech deaths and um, so the group gets to do a little bit of investigation and trying to figure out um, what's going on the first time I ran it people were more interested in what the what the various things could be used for and weren't interested in the criminal weren't as interested in who did it Mm -hmm. Whereas in the second group, um, they were very focused on, on, you know, they, they went to one crime scene and just tore it up trying to find everything they could about the, the thieves, which were six gun. Mm -hmm. And so just when the group is starting to get a, a kind of handle on, on what was stolen and, and who did it, um, the uh they are alerted by looking out a window and seeing one of the one of the buildings in Beacon City is starting to shake and pull itself out of its foundation because a kind of anti-gravity beam is which was what 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 was being built uh an anti-gravity beam is basically stealing is trying to yank a building out of its foundation
0: <laughs> that's never a good sign
1: yeah so they the the group uh then has to rescue the you know evacuate the building rescue the folks so there's a an action scene but not one that has like you know just a this is a this is a villain punch him kind of action scene mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and from there there's a couple of ways to then track the source of the beam back to the uh and and uh and the I used the, uh, the M&M Game Master's Guide has some sample villain lairs and one of them is this skull-shaped island in the middle of the Pacific. Well, it, in the middle of the ocean. Uh, and so I had it in the South Pacific and uh, the group you know, goes to the island and discovers uh, Six-Gun is there and um, Apogee one of the villains from Rogues, Rivals, and Renegades, who is kind of a superhuman supremacist type that she thinks that ordinary people just aren't as smart as super people. I mean, you know, if you look at, you know, you know, a lot of superheroes are super intelligent, and she thinks the super intelligent and super powerful should be running things because, well, I mean, just look at the state of the planet. You people are all idiots. <laughs> <laughs> So she's got six gun and she's got a group of low powered uh metahuman soldiers working for her. Uh and uh from there it's just kind of a you know how do they uh, how do they assault the island you know, how do the challengers assault the island and that kind of determines how the uh how the the people will respond.
0: Cool, cool. So um It sounds a lot like you were uh, cribbing some notes from Stan Lee in there.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, the the idea of the the building getting ripped out was something Doctor Doom did back Mm -hmm. in, like, the first five issues of the Fantastic Four. Yep. Although, in this case, he didn't really want to, like, just steal the building intact. Uh, Apogee doesn't like the... The the reason she did this was because uh, the building is uh, a meta science research facility, and she believes that they're doing research in how to depower superhuman criminals. Uh, and she thinks that's just the most horrible thing she could possibly Imagine. imagine sorry. Uh, and so she as as a kind of a, a statement, she uh, you know built this gizmo to amp up her powers so that and and reflect them off of the satellite and uh you know rip the building up so that you know kind of a hey don't do this again or i'm going to rip other buildings up
0: <laughs> nice well that sounds like a very cool time i can't wait to uh get some artwork started on rogues <laughs> rivals eradicates um that's that's that sounds like a very fun adventure now um what are the uh, uh you know it almost sounds like that would be a fun one to try and put together and and uh let people try out themselves if we get a chance to. But um, so you basically created all new plot hooks, and that's something I tend to do too. Mainly because um, I tend to tailor my games around the players as much as possible. So I'll try and focus on who you know, especially if I'm bringing my own characters for the players to run. Um, that makes it a lot easier because I know what powers they're going to have, what skills they're going to have so I can leave the breadcrumb crumb trail specifically designed for those heroes to be able to find it. Um, and that and that works, that goes a long way towards towards speeding things up. And I think that works really well at a convention where you're going to get people who probably have never played, who may, you know, you're probably going to get at least one player, but there's a good chance you're going to get at least half of your players are not going to be familiar with the system.
1: Oh, so, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um- most of them, you know, a, uh, a couple of them were folks who had played in my game, in my Owlcon rounds before, but mm-hmm. uh, most of them were new. And in the Marvel round, the system was so new that only, I, I was actually surprised that anybody had played, but it turns out that um, this father and his uh, kid um, had played it before at another convention, but, and were trying to get their gaming group to play it regularly.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah, it's a um, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the uh, the books that uh, Marvel's been putting out, and I'm I'm uh, happily in in possession of, of the latest one, the one that uh, they were doing pre-orders for at the book, the Fifty State Initiative book. And I'm like, yay! I have stats for Howard the Duck and Squirrel Girl now. So
1: <laughs> and Squirrel Girl can win. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she has a great I win power. Yeah. <laughs> But back to forever. back to what you were saying about you know tailoring the 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 plot to the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, in the usually with mutants and masterminds, uh, just I've gotten in the habit over the past couple years of using established like superheroes. Um, uh, one year uh, last year was um, a, a a a basically an episode of season three of Justice League Unlimited. Uh-huh. Where, um, uh, I where uh, uh, a a bunch of characters are are on this mission because all of the, all of the rest of the uh, essentially the the uh, the big pitch was um, five minutes ago the watchtower went dark and Amanda Waller started making some calls and so she got. Um, a bunch of heroes who had appeared in the cartoon but weren't in the Justice League, like Mr. Miracle and Big Barda and Lobo. Um, Lobo? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Uh-oh. Oh, he w- folks had a blast being Lobo. I imagine. Um, He's just great for chewing the scenery. And so... Fetal's um, giz. Yes. Uh, <laughs> those three plus... Um, I have to look back. One of them was was Power Girl, the uh, the the clone of Supergirl that mm-hmm. was dressed like Power Girl and uh Captain Marvel who had quit and one other that'll come to me and uh, uh probably after the podcast ends. Yeah, but but the,
0: but the point was that uh, you you used characters that they'd be familiar with to introduce them to the system, right?
1: Right. Uh one year I did uh, the the one that folks will still congratulate me about was uh, the adventure I called Crisis of Infinite, Infinite Batman where everybody was Batman from different universes. <laughs> <laughs> Except they weren't exactly Batman. They were... Uh, none of them were actually Bruce Wayne. Like, one of them was Dick Grayson because Dick Grayson had just become Batman. And one was... Uh, from the what from the Else worlds where Thomas and Martha Wayne find Cal El's rocket. And uh one was from the Amalgam universe, which was Dark Claw, the Wolverine Batman hybrid, and one was uh Batman Beyond. And so they go and this is all a big plot by Owlman, who has kidnapped Batmite and stolen his vast cosmic powers. And they have to—they're—they're they're, they're fighting through this of super Gotham, where all these alternate universe versions of folks they fight—you know—of uh, of various uh, Batman villains, um, culminating in a in a big fight in Arkham Asylum with like fifteen different Jokers.
0: See, never, ever, ever underestimate the the usefulness of the goofy characters like Batmite. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, of course, Batmite was the most annoying thing on that cartoon. But but I then
1: was... on Brave and the Bold, <laughs> Batmite, like, that redeemed Batmite. And I was like, oh, Batmite's a fanboy. I get it now. And, like, he will, will take his issues out of his long boxes and, and, you know, break the fourth wall all the time.
0: <laughs> that's great so yeah do you uh, do you ever usually uh, do you game at conventions often or
2: uh, it's been a very long time since I gamed at conventions you spend most so, of your
0: time at anime conventions now right?
2: I do I do I spend an exorbitant amount of time at anime conventions <laughs> and I really shouldn't unfortunately
0: as long as you're making money right?
2: Uh, kind of, <laughs>
0: but it's uh, more for the
2: free drinks. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> well, That's well, important too. Yeah, <laughs> I have and, to. Uh, I yeah, have it, to it, admit, there's a there's a, culture, there's a culture there that doesn't always overlap with the gaming culture. So,
2: yeah, it. it I mean, a little bit it does, and it, it still is technically. Growing, even though it shouldn't. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was—it was a long time ago. I used uh, my my buddy that worked with at Fantasy Games Unlimited, uh, John Adams. He and I had created a tactical game that we used to run at conventions called Steel Rain, and that mm-hmm. was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, you still publish that, right? Um,
2: I think the only copy we have left is the. Uh, the proof copy? Yeah. yeah. we actually sold out of them a long time
0: ago. Okay, okay. Well, that's cool. So. Well, we'll, we'll maybe need to talk about that a little bit. Anyway. Um Sounds good. <laughs> but uh, it's amazing the things that uh, you overlook when you're best buddies with somebody and <laughs> don't necessarily <laughs> talk work all the time. But... Um, when I go to conventions, one of the things that I look for in gaming is to try things that I haven't tried before and kind of get a feel for them. But it's also, for for me, for a long time, uh, conventions were my opportunity to be a player um, because I spend a lot of my time as Game Master in my home group. Um, so... I spend a lot of time at uh, conventions just kind of playing and not really focusing on the creative side of things but I see a lot of different game masters bring different uh, tools to the table uh, storytelling tools and and you know different devices like um, gosh back when uh, do you guys remember paranoia the uh oh yeah
2: that was that' was actually one of the last games I played at a convention
0: yeah yeah Rick do you remember paranoia?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I I I remember playing it a couple times in college and it was just really hysterically awesome.
0: So for those of you listening who are too young to remember Paranoia, it was a it was a, a dystopian futuristic game um where life was managed, quote-unquote, by an all-powerful computer that would send everybody off on missions. But because the, <laughs> the, the computer was pretty much suffering from schizophrenia and all sorts of other psychological problems, it would give everybody secret missions that would wind up having them kill each other. Um and uh, other crazy antics would happen. But uh, I, I remember there was this this fellow running a game at a convention where um, the centerpiece of his night was a huge working quote-unquote time bomb. It didn't actually explode, but it had all these wires in it, and the players would have to try and unplug different wires, and, and it would actually cause different lights to go off and different sounds to go off and they had to basically try to figure out how to disarm the thing without it blowing up. And, of course, you know, it would create this really tangible sense of drama. Now, I've never, ever done anything that exorbitant in, in my own gaming. I do mostly theater-of-the-mind stuff, which is to say I'm really cheap and I'm not that creative, or at least not <laughs> not not quite as uh, tactile as that. But I do tend to, to like, when I can, bring... Standees and maps and things like that, if I can, or at least pictures of the characters. Rick, what do you tend to bring to a, a convention? What what what's your what's your toolbox um, for uh, for a con game?
1: Um, usually, it's just art of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if a uh, if it's if it's possible, uh, that's why I like to use you know published you know folks there where I can just Google an image of. Batman Beyond, and put that on the character sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a lot of time, to- you know, sometimes you know there is an art like the, some of the alternate universe villains was were just me being twisted. Like there's the Batman villain Maxi Zeus. Well, there was in this an alternate universe Maxi Odin, who was the same kind of crazy person, just Norse instead of. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh so I when possible I try to bring art. Um I I don't really have talent for uh for making cool stuff like that the time bomb thing which just sounds awesome.
0: Yeah. That was that was pretty cool. Um and that was back in the 80s too. So gaming was uh wasn't quite as um Oh, maybe maybe it was in its heyday. It's hard to say, but uh, that was a, a game. Uh, I I actually didn't play him, but I was watching intently from the sidelines um, uh, at uh, a convention. I cannot remember the name of the convention, but it was down in Central Florida, as I recall. But
2: oh, there's a million of them down there.
0: Yeah, yeah. We kind of had to organize down in Florida because there were very few shops, and <laughs> so it was like. It, you know, we, we all the gamers were really spread out. So in order to network, we had to really get it organized. It's kind of like scuba divers. You know, if you want to find the biggest scuba diving club in America, you go to Denver, Colorado, because um, that's wow. you know, there's no there's nowhere to dive there. So if you want to get involved in anything diving, you have to find a large group of people to try and network with someone. It's not like you can just call up your neighbor and everybody you know is. He's going to go down to the ocean, you know, on the weekend like it was down in Florida for me. So it was like, you know, everybody's going to do something by the beach because, well, dang it, we live 10 miles from it. So <laughs> you're going to know a diver. It's just going to be that easy. But uh, so anyway, Um, let me see here. Just checking my time schedule here. We are at about 45 minutes in. Um, before... We go though. I, I'm I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, let people. Let's talk about the con itself. Uh, this particular con. This was Owl con, which was at Rice University in Texas, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, where's that located? Uh, it's in Houston. Okay. So, um, go ahead. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's been a part of. Uh, it's it's sponsored by the um, Rice uh, Gaming Club. Um fast warp which stands for something that i no longer remember (laughs) um but uh actually some friends of mine who are um well uh, uh rice alum and some of them one's a professor now uh one of them works there uh um managing this super microscope thing and uh uh, a bunch of other folks uh, have just are kind of the the older advisors to the the undergrads, so that there's kind of a continuity of of uh, of folks who've been running the con for a few year for for a few years now. It's like I don't, actually like we were we were discussing and we couldn't remember how many years uh, they'd been running the con. But these folks are also most of my Tuesday gaming group who who are the, the Kind of the con staff, and so uh, I've been, you know, doing my part to help out by just, you know, running stuff every year.
0: Cool, cool. So you've been you've been running there how many years?
1: I have been running there for over ten years. Um, Okay, I I would have to. uh, I know it's at least eleven because I've been doing it since before my son was born, and he's eleven. Okay, so.
0: So about what the um, what would you say the attendance at a con like that is?
1: Um, I, I actually know this mm-hmm. uh, for a change, because they just posted it on their Facebook. Uh, they had a record year. They had 757 attendees.
0: Okay. So that's still a fairly, as far as conventions go, it's, a fair, it's still a fairly small one. But that's still uh, a lot of gamers in one place. So there's a lot you can do.
1: Yeah. I, 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 as I understand it, it's like the biggest... Gaming only convention mm-hmm. in Texas. Um, certainly, a lot of the fan cons and you know, you know places where you get Patrick Stewart uh, visiting are going to get you know ten times at least as that. But mm-hmm. for just getting you know gamers in a room or group of rooms, uh, I think we're number one. Do you ever go to cons like uh, Project Acon? I have not been to Project Acon. Um, mm-hmm. Again, since my son was born, I don't uh, I don't get out to the other conventions as much. I used to okay. go to Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been to that two or three times. I've been to the San Diego Comic Con, which didn't have any gaming. But um, <laughs> uh, since then, it's just been uh, the, the local Houston cons.
0: San Diego Comic Con is still on my checklist of things I want to do before I die. But uh... same
1: here. <laughs> well, I, th- when I did it, this was 20 years ago, where it was like, you know, much much smaller than it is today. I don't. But it, I don't but it was think actually
0: I... a comic book con and and, and not a uh, multimedia, you know, extravaganza.
1: Yeah, I mean, With... there were still some movie folks there, like mm-hmm. the 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 guy who wrote the Men in Black comic book that the movies were based on, mm-hmm. uh, he was there talking about the comic and the upcoming movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had Warner, there, Warner Brothers there and they were showing off uh, um, slides of the character models for the Superman animated series. But it was mostly comic book stuff where mm-hmm. we were seeing... You know, there was you know Grant Morrison and Alex Ross and Mark Wade and Kurt Busiek were the big guys there. Not, I don't know, the guy from Twilight or something. <laughs> not like
0: Robert Downey Jr. and right, <laughs> who's I think probably going to become a a staple San Diego Comic Con for the next few years unless he decides not to renew his Marvel options there
2: yeah I don't know what they would do if he did that yeah.
0: <laughs> but um yeah I, I'd be kind of sad to see somebody else play Iron man I'll be honest
2: well, I mean he's getting paid to play himself come on now <laughs> there, he is
0: there that's true that's true how can you go wrong right um, but uh so conventions um you know are uh, you know it's interesting a lot of people go in different different directions they bring different you know stuff to the table but i think the the most important thing to prepare at least that i've seen is is having a a uh, a good set of you know the 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 characters you planned uh, you know your your enemies having having a, a i think it's very helpful to have your own set of characters for the players to run but unless unless part of what you're demoing is character creation And that would be for, like, pick-up-and-play games. Like, it would be very easy, and I know uh, Dan Hauser's done this, where he actually has the players roll up characters just before they play. And Icons is very good for that, because it's all about fast character creation. Excuse me. But for the most part, I think it's very useful to have, you know, pre-generated characters. um, and, And as Rick mentioned, it's very easy to introduce people if they already know how the characters work, it makes it easier to explain how the rules are working and what, what they're doing in the game. But
1: um, Yeah, if, that made the Marvel demo a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, even though these were... Uh, the, the adventure is written for Nova and the Guardians of the Galaxy, but I um, also included Thor as an option for folks, because I figured there might be someone who wants to like, wants to see what the marvel game is like but has no idea who this talking raccoon and tree are so i figured (laughs) yeah thor (laughs) thor has been in the movie and uh so this couple who came uh you know one of them was a deep comic book nerd who knew everybody uh but his wife was like okay great i'll do thor i know who thor is
0: (laughs) cool cool yeah there's a um yeah, that, that's really advantageous. It was kind of funny that uh, most of the original products that uh, they'd announced for the Marvel Heroic game, a lot of the key characters from the movies were simply not in those storylines because they were using the storylines as the uh, as the focus of their books. Um, so, like, Thor wasn't in them, the Hulk wasn't in them. So that they had these, these movies that were great, you know, character... You know, here here's how to play the Hulk. Here's how to play the Thor, but those characters weren't in the stories they're releasing. So it was it was nice to see them um, generate several of them as uh, um, downloadable content, which was
1: yeah, that was that was that was great of them because it's really handy. Uh, so
0: kudos to Cam Banks and yeah. the company over there for doing that and. Uh, um, I uh I know that that Jack Norris has every idea on the planet but I think he may have mentioned to me that he forgot if it was his suggestion or if he just <laughs> had happened to have that same idea at the same time but uh, that was something that uh, I th- think um, he may be uh, talking about with us in relation to other other games as well so um, but I know that he was uh, really excited about the uh, the ability to finally show people how to play Thor and how to play the Hulk and and those other downloadable characters because it's like you know the the a lot of the the big event storylines that they've had in the past few years they've they've uh, removed or they've you know they've just for story reasons not had those big characters in them.
1: Well, sure. The Civil War would have been very different if one side had Hulk and Thor. Yeah. (laughs) That would have been the winning side.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that would have been the side. And if you had them on opposite sides, you'd be like, well, how would Thor ever be on registration side? And how would the Hulk ever be there? It's like you have to kind of – how do you rationalize this? For me, I think it would have been really fun if the if, if the Hulk had been on one side of the registration issue and Bruce Banner had been on the other side.
1: That would have been good. <laughs> and, and that's actually, you know, I did not care for the Civil War comic, but the Civil War source books are really good in that, you know, I didn't like the way they chose to do things in Civil War. Mm-hmm. And because, and, and the, the, the source books are set up so that you can just change everything you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. so you know if you want Cap to be the pro registration face and Iron Man to be the anti-registration face or if you know you could you know theoretically have all the heroes be anti-registration and they're you know the government just starts throwing the thunderbolts at them Mm -hmm. um uh it it definitely uh you know lends itself to making it your version of it
0: right which I thought was brilliant and uh uh, it, one of the things that really adds a lot of value to those event books um, when they do it that way is it basically says, if you thought this was a great idea but the comics mangled it, here's your opportunity to tell your version of the story, which is clearly superior. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like every every geek or, or fanfic writer thinks he can outdo you know the uh, the 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 actual authored work somehow because they did one plot twist that they you know the the reader didn't like well now's your chance to tell your variation of the story and uh it's it's all good but um that's actually something that i thought that uh i was kind of worried about the way when marvel announced their their intention to do things based on those books i'm like Oh, but I, I I'm not familiar with a lot of these storylines, or I'm not a familiar with a lot of. This. It's like, well, you're going to be telling your own story anyway. Here, it's just each storyline offers you different tools for your toolbox as a storyteller, and that's that's pretty cool. But um, so for your version of the uh, um, for the Marvel game, did you wind up creating any content of your own, or did you have everything pre pre generated for you?
1: Uh, everything was, was pretty much pre-generated. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up, uh, since the annihilation, uh, the first annihilation book came out like a week or so ago, um, I did, um, like print out some, uh, some of the, the stat blocks that, uh, to, to use, um, to kind of, to, to spice things up, um, like some of things didn't really have weren't written up, but when I play tested the adventure, uh, it was you know it, things came up that I didn't have stats for, and so I was able to grab them out of the uh, out of the Annihilation book.
0: Cool, cool. Just
1: things like because they explained how to do how like you know spaceships, how you should handle spaceships and flights of fighter jets and or you know not fighter jets but space fighter jets
0: is this is this uh something anyone can download from their website or is this sent out special just because they knew you were doing a demo
1: um this was uh the they did they ran that at this adventure at gen con mm-hmm. uh last year okay and it was mentioned on the uh, it was mentioned on the forums and um someone had asked cam on the forums if those would be available eventually and he said no for I'm sure for you know contractual reasons with Marvel but they but if you're going to be running a demo at a con you know, let us know and and we can uh, we can set you up
0: smashing I will have to go and ping Cam for that uh, I would love to see how they're running spaceships in Marvel um, I'm, I'm sure that they'll probably do something with the the official book uh, but um, I'm one of these people who can't wait <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm. I, 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 part of me is actually kind of uh, anxious now that the first one's out. I'm like, okay, great. Now, 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 do the second one because Annihilation Conquest was the one I really, really liked, and and oh, I can't wait for a War of Kings and and such.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. I want to um, let people know before we uh, go ahead and sign off and let you uh, get back to your next podcast on your playlist. Um, I want to I want to let people know that uh, what our publishing schedule coming up is we have um, the first issue of the Beacon City Metas book uh, coming up very very soon. The layout is basically done. We're just doing some tweaking um, to. Uh, 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 Speaking to the layout to to, to to add some some quotes and also to um, uh, change some of the the, the legalese um, and I'll be sending out some emails to uh, the other people who've submitted to the other books uh, in in the near future but um, we've actually got a great book the first issue, Jack Norris did an article for us that uh, it's basically how to run a villain campaign, so like if you wanted to run a Suicide Squad or uh, a Sinister Six or something like that, he's basically got the outline on how you can do that and then you can turn around and use all the superheroes that you you know might have access to in your DC Adventures books or your other Mutants of Masterminds books uh, you can use all those heroes as uh, opponents for your villainous player characters. Um, and that's that's a real fun article. Um, and it's got some great artwork in there by Alex Williamson throughout the book. Um, and we've got a number of user-created characters that, uh, that we're looking forward to uh, getting out there, including one from Steve Perrin and one from uh, not exactly Rick Jones, although you're kind of taking creative credit for it. This was your son's character, right?
1: Well... It was kind of inspired by my son and his friend. Uh-huh. Um, they uh, uh, they were uh, you know doing Lego stuff, and they, they both customize Legos and mm-hmm. uh, are, are big into modding them and and such. And I just uh, I thought that you know obviously these kids, if they had a wish, would wish for Lego superpowers, and so uh, that's kind of that's what that's what kid awesome tastic is yeah
0: and he actually made the uh the cover of the book um and the cover of the book is by (laughs) otis frampton um if anybody's familiar with his work uh he's got a style very similar to uh dan hauser um but uh otis has done a lot of work on um the how it should have ended uh animated parody videos that you can find on uh those are so awesome. Yeah, they are. He's done a lot of the background illustrations. I think, uh, notably, um, you can see a lot of his work in the uh, in the one on um, uh, the Dark Knight Rises, uh, how it should have ended. Um, but yeah, I find those things hilarious. Um, and Otis is a super super great guy. He just happened to have an opening pop up like one of his other projects um, dropped off and he said hey i've got room for a commission and i jumped on it you know i just happened to be watching his uh his deviant art page when the when the notice went up and and caught his air at the right time to get that uh get that in there so that was that was a lot of fun um and mctent locan which which is from steve perrin for those of you who don't remember steve perrin um he's done several projects for us in the past um and uh we will be doing some in the future as well but uh, he's also the guy who created RuneQuest and has been a game designer and right author since the 70s i want to say um wow. so yeah yeah this guy's this guy's one of the one of the founding fathers of the role-playing game hobby so it's so much it's it's so great to have him on the team um and, um, we also have Denise Jones working on, uh, a ton of artwork for Jack Norris's next big project, which, um, we do plan to make a big announcement for that very soon, but I'm going to wait on the big announcement uh, until Jack is on the, uh, on the podcast, which hopefully will be later this week or early next week. And, um, the, uh, the artwork that she's that Denise Jones has been doing for that. I mean, the the, the setting um, we're calling it Tianxia, and and hopefully I didn't just butcher that, but uh, uh, Tianxia, right? Is that I, I believe so. Okay, <laughs> I, I have to check with my uh, with my Chinese cultural correspondent here, <laughs> um, and. Uh, of course um, Leon Chang might come up with a different pronunciation because I, th- I think he speaks Mandarin I don't remember but he, uh,
2: yeah um, then he's probably got a different pronunciation
0: <laughs> so um, because uh, Yad speaks Cantonese right
2: yes that is yeah. correct
0: so um, that's uh, that's kind of the fun thing about the uh, the Chinese stuff so um, but it's it's for those of you who haven't been paying attention or haven't seen the artwork we posted a uh, um, a gallery on the Vigilance Press website. That's www.vigilancepress.com. And just go to the galleries page and look for Tian Sha, which is T-I-A-N-X-I-A. And it's the book is going to be called Blood, Silk, and Jade. And we've had the first iteration of that go out to the uh, playtesters. About a month ago, it's going to be our first Fate product for the Fate Core. It's going to be Fate Core compatible. And um, for those of you who haven't been following the Fate, Core Kickstarter, what rock have you been living under? Because that was the uh, $3,000 Kickstarter that uh, overfunded by over 430 grand. So I mean, that's a um, that was a huge win for Evil Hat Productions and kudos to them. It's also the first time I've ever picked up a set of rules for for Fate and actually understood them in one read through. So <laughs> that was uh, that they they did a really really good job of, of explaining and and clarifying. The, uh, the purpose and intent of how fate works to even somebody who didn't have someone to handhold them through it like myself so um, but uh, the possibilities of, of fate just kind of jumped up to us and uh, I, I reminded Jack of actually Jack and I kind of tossed ideas back and forth until he remembered a project he'd wanted to do and put a lot of development into years ago and Kind of picked it up, dusted it off, and we rewrote it. He rewrote it for fate. We've sent it out to the playtesters already, gotten the feedback, and he basically has added a couple of thousand more words of content since the original playtest documents went out. So, And uh, we're going to have Nathan take a look at that and uh, help us reorganize that, and that will go out to the playtesters again soon. We've added a whole GM section and some other stuff. So it's basically how to do wuxia um, movie type uh, that, that, that high flying kung fu action you see in movies like crouching tiger hidden dragon or um, iron monkey or you know things of that nature where you have the kind of uh, storytelling that has this kind of great big epic feel but begins with these kind of humble wandering martial artists and uh, there's a little bit of little bit of magical feeling to it but it's not quite i mean it could be a fantasy setting but it's not quite a fantasy setting it's sort of like the china that could have been um it's sort of like a mythical china and um the book will come with a setting um we've already got the art for the main player character example characters um has just been cranking this stuff out and uh just gorgeous gorgeous stuff so if you get a chance go check it out it's on our It's on our gallery page. um, And I'll have Jack on to talk some more about that um, and what our plans are for that book in the near future. Um, So, our upcoming two publications are Beacon City Metas and and Six Gun. Uh, Whichever one winds up being finished first, um, I think they're both going to be ready about the same time. But uh, right now, I think we're waiting on Ruben to get a plane back from hawaii <laughs> or 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 not i'm not sure exactly what uh uh his current status is but um and I, I know that uh he was home visiting some family and uh i believe um some good things happened so it's uh, we're not worried about him but we're we're definitely he's 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 kind of on vacation at the moment so we're we're hoping to hear some news back, but he has been updating me with, with updates to the, to the, um, you know, he actually sent in his, his six gun, uh, proof, the version, version one of the proof that we sat down and did our quick run through. And I think we only had like a couple of things we asked to change, but it was, um, it was kind of surprising for me to get that, you know, and he's like, by the way, I'm in Hawaii. I might not be back in touch with you for a couple more days. That's like what are you doing sending me work from Hawaii?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if I'm in Hawaii, I'm not even looking at my phone.
0: (laughs) But so, you know, for people who think that he might be slacking off, no, he's, he's a trooper. (laughs) And, uh, I'm so glad to have him on the team, but, uh, we shall have to, to see if we can't get some more, uh, some more news some updates on that, uh, some more concrete release dates on that real soon, but I'm hoping that it won't be more than another uh, week or so before the, uh, the PDF of six gun goes live and, and, uh, either that or, or, um, metas, one of those should go live. And then the other one may follow or even be on the same day. It depends on, on, I guess when he can upload them to his Dropbox. So, um, aside from that, uh, The artwork is progressing on a couple of our Devilish Duos productions. Um, I think we're going to get the artwork done for like two or three of the Devilish Duos um, and then have the layout for that won't take as long, so we'll have those kind of start popping up on a more regular basis. We had, I think, uh, two versions of those come out last year, and I'm hoping to get maybe... Uh, to a month if we can get up to that rate this year but we'll see um, we certainly have enough manuscript for it it's just a question if we can get the artwork and all the other projects lined up in, in, uh, in a streamlined fashion so that we can keep those coming out we'll, we'll see how that goes and I'll keep everyone posted there um, those will be for Mutants and Masterminds and we'll also have the occasional icons project as well and then we have a number of other icons and mutants and masterminds projects coming up soon. Um, uh, let's see, I think that's about it for the immediate four release announcements. Um, we're very excited about the stuff we have planned for this year. Tianxia, um has the potential to be something very, very big. So. It might uh, it might dominate our publishing schedule and you know involve all of our authors at some point depending on what we wind up uh, doing with that and that's going to kind of depend on feedback from you the audience so if you are excited by what you see please let us know and kind of uh, you know respond you can you can comment directly on the gallery page you can comment to my new year's post where i i made the announcement or you can just uh... send us email or ping me on google plus uh... there's any number of ways to reach us or on facebook Um, and and let us know and also any of our other projects the feedback that we get from you guys really depends really helps determine what products we go forward and where we put our energy so you know when if you like something if something excites you and gets you guys wanting to do you know see more of it let us know Um, Because we are listening, we are paying attention, and we're gamers just like you. And I mean, you know, if we, if you leave us alone for too long, I don't know if you've ever met somebody who has kind of gamer ADD. But uh, you know, that the 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 game master who's usually running games for his own interest and like comes up with a new scenario or new setting every weekend. (laughs) We're kind of like that. If we don't actually get feedback from the the uh the audience you know there's a danger that we get distracted by some shiny new toy and go off in a new direction so keep letting us know what you like and what you want to see from us and what's exciting to you guys and uh we'll keep working on that and um we've also got coming up from rick jones uh a um i think we made this announcement back in december um the glass house Mm -hmm. announcement right yes yeah so we can we can talk a little bit about that we've got uh Glass House coming, which is kind of our um, uh, mutants and masterminds homage to Legion of Superheroes and other space-faring uh, superhero storylines. So we'll, we'll be going a little cosmic with that, and uh, looking forward to that. And um, I believe we have Susan Meyer is going to do um, the bulk of the artwork for that. So uh, we're going to start lining that up. And and showing some artwork from that, hopefully in the coming month or two. Um I've got a just ton of stuff, an avalanche of awesome stuff coming out this year, so I'm really excited and uh um there's a lot of cool stuff coming from the Mutants and Masterminds camp in general, so hope to have uh John Lighthouser and Steve Kenson back on the show again soon, um, and also Jack Norris um, is also now uh, the line developer for the Dragon Age pen and paper game. So um, if anybody's interested in Dragon Age or you know someone who is, feel free to send us some questions, and I'll put those to uh, I'll put those to Jack if I can, and um, we'll see if we can't uh, get him to talk a little bit about that because it's so hard to pry anything out of Jack. He's so unwilling to talk.
1: Uh, if anybody... He's very shy.
0: yeah he's very <laughs> shy <laughs> Jack, we love you. Um, there's a uh, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I, I don't know what he can and can't talk about yet so i'll I'll wait to talk to him about that. but I do know that uh, they made the announcement that he is in charge of 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 Dragon Age and uh, he and Chris Premis have been um, uh, working long nights. Since uh, since the announcement have been has been made to um, to set up some exciting things for, for fans of the game. So if you're a fan of the uh, Dragon Age pen and paper role playing game, um, there's also of course the uh, the recent episodes of tabletop uh, Will Wheaton's uh, YouTube show. Uh, Chris Premus showed uh, or uh, ran a game session. For uh, Will Wheaton and his friends there, and that's actually a good uh, good example of a simple scenario for for a um, uh, for a convention. So if you want to check out that, I mean, obviously they use a lot of editing tricks and stuff to kind of compress time and and deal with some of the dead air, but it's still you can kind of see the outline of of, of it's a very simple story on one level, but he, you know, tried to enhance the game and the uh, scenario with some um, handwritten props and things. So there's a uh, there's a lot of good uh, good ideas in that in that show for somebody who wants to run a, a convention game. But uh, aside from that, I think uh, we can save any further announcements for the next episode. I hope to have another episode either later this week or. Next week, and then uh, I believe early March we are recording the big climactic finale for uh, for the Beacon City actual play. So for people who have been waiting on Pins and Needles to find out what happens with the uh, with the Black Chapter and uh, and the October Man and all the other crazy stuff going on in Beacon City, that's coming up soon. Um, Rick, yeah, did either one of you guys want to uh, mention something before I let the viewers g- or the listeners go?
1: Uh, no, you pretty much uh, showed up and mentioned everything I'm involved in so okay. far. Okay. Yeah, oh, same
0: here. All right, cool. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you very much again for joining us. And, uh, and you know, to our listeners, thank you very much for sticking with us for Vigilance Press. Um you know, there w- You know, I will try to make the podcasts happen a little more frequently this year. Um, we got slow, uh, slowed up by a bunch of products and me just not having time. But we're going to see if we can't get uh, someone else to start recording some, uh, some sessions and some actual play sessions that we can upload. And we'll see if we can't get stuff like that going. But um, for right now, um, I'll do what I can to keep you guys in the loop and. Uh, if you have any suggestions for future shows, please feel free to email me um, or contact me any of the ways I mentioned earlier—Google Plus, um, the Vigilance Press website, any any way you like. So um, I'll be watching, I'll be listening, and uh, hopefully uh, everybody out there will be as excited as I am when we make some uh, big announcements with the with the uh, Tiansha um, podcast. So. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, stay vigilant.